Hello and welcome to So You Want to Be an Engineer. I'm Katie Douglas, Director of Engineering at St Paul's School, and on behalf of the Engineering Society, I'm delighted to welcome Rebecca Miller to the show. Rebecca is a mechanical engineer who is currently working for the Ministry of Defence. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Rebecca. Thank you. And our interviewer today is Sully, and I know that Sully has written a lot of questions for Rebecca, so without any further ado, I'm going to hand over to him. Thank you. Can you please describe your current job working for the Ministry of Defence? Yes, in the Ministry of Defence, I work as a safety engineer or a safety scientist. It's, it's sort of a mix between engineering and science in a role. And what I focus on is giving safety advice on the pyrotechnics that we carry across all of the services in the Ministry of Defence. So the Army, the Navy and the Air Force as well. So that can be anything from smoke stores to flares that we carry to relatively small pyromechanical devices as well. So how does working to ensure that something is safe differ from more conventional engineering? What other considerations do you have to take into account? So I think nowadays, if you were to embark in a career in engineering, safety in whatever job you did would probably be your number one priority. And that's that's been a shift change in the industry in the last few decades. But my job is really to focus in on the safety and to make sure that it's considered in all of the decisions that the engineers make. Um, so when you have a project, either to bring in a new pyrotechnic or to bring in uh, a new explosive or to bring in a new piece of equipment um, for the Ministry of Defence, you need to consider how it's going to perform. You need to consider how much money it's going to cost. Uh, you need to consider how um, the guys who are using it can use it. And you also need to um, consider safety. So the project engineers need to consider every single aspect. And my job is really just to home in on the safety and to make sure that they are making that their number one priority. And they're not forgetting that when they're trying to find something that's a lot bigger and cooler and fancier, that they're not forgetting the safety as well. But working with explosives will always pose a risk. What sort of ways do you seek to mitigate this risk? Yeah, working with explosives always has a risk. And, and actually, most of the things that engineers work with will always have some risk anyway. Um, what we do to mitigate is we do a lot of testing up front. Um, so with explosives, we do testing on really, really small amounts, uh, milligram amounts to start off with. And we test it and we see what would happen in an accident. So um, we do things like impact testing it, so hitting it. We do friction testing it to see what would happen if you strike it. And we do electrical testing to see what would happen if you um, were near an electric spark or had a static charge. And then you slowly build up the amount that you can work with. Um, so then we work on slightly larger scales and we do those kind of tests again to see what happens see if anything's different and then we build right up to the point where you have um, for example a flare and then you do testing on that to make sure again that any accidents that could happen we tested for we understand what's going to happen and so we understand what precautions we need to put in place and then does this correlate with what you train the soldiers or whoever's using the equipment with it really depends on what you're working with. So 
Um, often we train them with inert stores, so stores that, that don't have any explosives in them. And then they can practice, they can get used to using the equipment, they can see how it feels based on the, the weight. Um, and then again, it, a bit, it's a bit like the testing, we build them up uh, and slowly increase what they are working with and the risks that they are taking as they get more and more experience. Okay, thank you. Can you describe what one of your typical work days is like? Well, right now, I'm obviously in lockdown, so a typical day is not leaving the house. So it's just me in front of my laptop, um, dealing with queries, working over Skype, um, phoning project teams, giving them advice, writing advice, um, discussing ideas with the rest of the team. Once we're out and about, so um, when I'm not in lockdown, that is still my typical day because I work in a, a large office. So we have lots of meetings, writing lots of advice, lots of one-to-one -one conversations as well. But I also get to go out and maybe see some of the testing that's being done, uh, maybe act as a witness for it or just for my own understanding what the testing is being done. And then we also speak to users as well, make sure they're not having any issues with the stores too. What have you done in your career up to this point before working for the Ministry of Defence? So I started in um, 2016, so I've been in this role for, for four years. Um, to get here, I graduated with a mechanical engineering degree in Aberdeen in Scotland. And Aberdeen's a bit of a hub for the oil and gas industry. So I started working for an oil and a gas company. I worked for them for five years and then I moved down south. I worked for an engineering contractor for a year, but it wasn't really for me. So then I saw a job at the Ministry of Defence and um, I like things like fireworks and, and pyrotechnics. So I thought it sounded a bit cool to go and try it. And I've been here ever since. You just said you've also worked on oil rigs. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so I worked, um, as I say, up in Aberdeen and I was working on a really big project called Jasmine, where we were building three new platforms to go offshore. So I spent one year, I was working in Spain on a construction site and that's where we built most of the platforms. And then the platforms sailed all the way up to about 150 miles off the coast of Aberdeen. And then I worked offshore and I was the rotating equipment engineer offshore. So I used to work in a shift where I worked for two weeks on the oil rig and then I got two weeks at home. Got to take a helicopter to work, which was quite cool. Don't know many people that take a helicopter every day to work uh, or for two weeks at a time. And my job was mainly to keep all of the rotating equipment running. So you can imagine it's a really important part of an oil rig is to have power from our power turbines, to have compressors so that you can compress the oil and gas enough so that it can make it 150 miles all the way back to land. And all of the pumps as well that have all the auxiliary systems like cooling things down, we had to look after them as well. So working on the compressors and turbines to keep them running is very strenuous on the components, especially at sea when you're, like you said, 150 miles away from shore. So can you give us some more detail on some of the steps you took to ensure longevity for the component? So anything that rotates likes to keep rotating. Um, the, the, you really get problems with rotating equipment when it stops 
because it doesn't want to start up again. So the most that we can do is to try and keep things moving all the time. So um, even if pumps and compressors are down for maintenance, we try and keep them moving as and when we can. The main issue that you have offshore is the logistics of it. So if you find that you have a broken part, for example, whilst you're onshore, it's quite easy to nip down to a supplier, buy that part, and bring it back to wherever you're working. Um, when you're offshore, if you imagine in the winter, when you have bad weather and maybe the helicopters aren't running, you might have to wait two or three weeks before you're able to get a boat or a helicopter with that part. So um, we had to be really hot on our um, maintenance plans and understand what type of equipment breaks quite easily. And if it does, we need to have it offshore all the time. You also have to be doing lots and lots of regular maintenance. So we needed to look at the compressors and the turbines on a really regular basis so that we could identify, oh, that looks like it might fail in the future. And so we would then plan to fix that in advance. The main thing with rotating equipment is trying to fix things before they break. So doing lots and lots of regular maintenance, lots of regular checks, changing things out just before you think it's going to fail so that you never have to go through a period of, of stopping equipment for a really long time. Do you feel that being a mechanical engineer gave you greater flexibility than if you had pursued a different discipline of engineering? And do you think it also has the most applications? I definitely think being a mechanical engineer is really flexible. I, I think if you look at my career as an example, as I say, I've worked as a project engineer, um, as a rotation equipment engineer, and now in a completely different field, um, working on pyrotechnics as well. Um, and all the time, my degree is being used because even though I didn't necessarily th learn those specific trades my degree taught me how to um, problem solve it taught me how to look at technical issues it taught me how to read data engineering data and scientific data and that's really important it taught me how to make judgments and to be able to assess and understand risk and make decisions based on um, what information I have it taught me how to question data as well, because we often receive something that looks like it's in a fancy report and it's written very well and it, it looks really good. But you need to be able to scrutinise that data. And I think you can use that in almost any role that you do if it's got an engineering and a science background. I don't know if it gives you the most applications. I think a structural engineer or an electrical engineer would probably tell you that they are very flexible as well so <laughs> thank you what recommendations would you have for a pupil still in school who is interested in going into engineering I would say you want to stick in with your subjects on maths and your sciencey subjects chemistry or physics whichever one of those that you're studying I actually started my degree doing a math degree. I did a math degree for two years and then I changed my mind um, and changed on to mechanical engineering. So the other thing I would say is it's quite a hard decision when you're 16, 17 years old trying to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. There is opportunities to change. So if you go to university and you decide this isn't quite for me, most universities are, are fairly flexible. So I would say pick subjects that you enjoy 
And if you enjoy the engineering subjects, then you'll naturally end up in a that type of, of career. So yeah, sticking with that. And I also wouldn't underestimate. Um, I think often engineers think, oh, I'm good at maths and I'm good at physics. Actually, something like English is really, really important to engineering as well. So try and stick in with those subjects. If you have a good idea, a good invention, or you want to convey information, you need good communication skills because that's the way that people will listen to you. And in any job you go to, you'll need still need interview skills. You'll still need to be able to write a CV. You'll need to be able to explain what you've done and try and sell yourself in the best light. And so I wouldn't underestimate some of the more uh, creative subjects as well. Would you recommend a career in engineering? Yes, definitely. I definitely would. I've been an engineer for about 10 years now. I've been able to live and work in different countries in the world. I've worked in Italy. I've worked in Spain. I was able to start learning Spanish by living in Spain. I've worked in London. I've worked in Scotland. I now live in Wales, so I've done most of the home nations as well, apart from Northern Ireland. I've met lots and lots of people. And it, going back to one of your questions before about flexibility, I've, I've never been pigeonholed into a job. I've been able to try out lots of different things and not feel that I've picked a career that I have to stay in for 40, 50 years of my life. I feel like I'm able to make choices and enjoy my career along the way. What would you feel is the most important skill you've learned along the way as an engineer? Probably one that I mentioned before, and I think it's becoming more and more important in everything that we do in life, which is how to read and scrutinize information. We are bombarded with information all the time from the news, from social media, from just chatting to people as well. And it's so easy to just believe what people say. And it's also really hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. And as an engineer, you You'll never be able to tell everything. That's an impossible skill. But you learn to be able to ask the right questions so that you can make decisions for yourself, so that you can understand what scientists are saying. You can scrutinize what scientists are saying and you can ask them the right questions and you can engage in conversation at quite an academic level. And I think that is becoming increasingly important in everyone's jobs. What crucial bit of advice would you give a young prospective engineer? And what do you think is the most important thing to understand about a career in engineering? For prospective engineers, I would just say work hard, gain experience when you can take opportunities as they arise and go and do something that you enjoy. Engineering can mean so many things you know it can mean racing fast cars it can mean space work it can mean as I say like fireworks the type of thing that I do it's it's a huge range so um, find something that you enjoy and then the hard work won't seem so hard. What do you think is the most important thing to understand about a career in engineering? The most important thing to understand with your career path is that you can plan and plan and plan but ultimately you have to accept that there's going to be changes on the way and you might change your own mind along the way. I did not expect to be a 
pyrotechnics expert in my career. I certainly didn't leave university thinking that was my path, but I'm doing something that I enjoy. I'm doing something that I love that I didn't necessarily consider when I was university. So I would say be open to opportunities, uh, look around for opportunities, try different things. And as I say, if you work hard at it and you do well in each job, the the opportunities will will open up quite naturally, I think. Thank you for your insight and for your time, Rebecca. Thank you. It was fascinating seeing how kind of the art of problem solving and decision making is so applicable, not only in working on oil rigs and with explosives, but actually with life in general. So thank you so much for um, sharing that with us, Rebecca. It was really interesting. Thank you. So You Want to Be an Engineer is produced by Katie Douglas and is edited by Arthur Jenkins. It's a production of the St Paul's School Engineering Society. If you would like to be on the show or would like to know more about Engineering Society, then you can email us at engineering at simpleschool.org.uk.